Sound Opinions is supported by Goose Island, pairing beer and music since 1988. Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago, Illinois. Listen critically, enjoy responsibly. Good music is what we want to hear. What do you mean, good music? It's what we dance to, what our children will dance to. And if you don't want to play it, then take your records and go home. You have a band, good or bad. It's a great band, it's a bad band, it's like pizza, baby. It's good no matter what, there's music in the air. There's nothing better than discovering a terrific new band, even for jaded rock critics. I'm Greg Cott of the Chicago Tribune. And I'm Jim DeRogatis from WBEZ and Columbia College. This week we dig up a batch of buried treasures, and we review the new album by Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. That's coming up on Sound Opinions. You're listening to Sound Opinions, and time now for some music news. That is Lady Gaga with the song Born This Way, the title track from her most recent album, which she's been promoting on a six-continent tour for the last year. That tour suddenly canceled when Gaga announced on the Internet that she had to go in for emergency hip surgery. She had a labral tear in her right hip, which basically prevented her from walking, she said. She's actually been seen around Chicago the last few days, Jim, in a wheelchair. Now, this is a big deal on a couple of levels. Obviously, the little monsters, as she refers to her fans, will be deprived of 22 concerts in the next couple of months as this tour winds its way through North America. But also the concert industry is uh, being affected in a big way. This tour has grossed $168 million over the last year. And those 22 shows alone, we're talking about over 200,000 tickets, potentially $25 million in just lost ticket revenue alone. Not to mention what that's doing for concessions and parking revenue at these uh, various venues. So it has a tremendous impact. The other thing I was thinking about in relationship to this story, this labral tear that she suffered on tour, in addition to the 14 costume changes she does in the midst of one of these shows, there's a lot of dancing in high heels. So a labral tear, a very common injury for athletes and dancers who put a great deal of stress on their joints. I'm thinking, man, Tina Turner. I have a new, new respect for <laughs> Tina Turner. Here's a woman who danced in high heels for 30, 40 years. Well, she was in no wheelchair. No. <laughs> That's right. Greg, I have some more tour news. That happens to be Sir Paul McCartney at the Hurricane Sandy benefit when he joined up with the surviving members of Nirvana 
to play a song called Cut Me Some Slack. Why are we playing Sir Paul? Because he is one of the headliners for the Bonnaroo Festival in Manchester, Tennessee, June 13th to June 16th. It's that season, okay? It's 12 degrees outside here in Chicago on Navy Pier, but we are looking forward to the summer festivals, and we have some announcements of the big performers at a few of them. Bonnaroo, traditionally the jam band festival, but always more than that. Paul McCartney, I think headlining is a coup. Then you have the not surprising additions of Mumford and Sons and Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers and Wilco and of Monsters and Men. Some surprises, though. Nas and the Wu-Tang Clan, the uh, Malian duo, Amadou and Miriam. You love them. The Firefly Festival is the next big one, June 21 to June 23. You've got the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Vampire Weekend, the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs, the Avet Brothers there. That's a new festival only in its second year. The Pitchfork Music Festival in Chicago has been established for quite some time, and they announced their headliners for uh, July 19th to 21 just a few weeks ago. Bell and Sebastian, surprising no one, very Pitchfork-like music. Bjork, which is a real coup here in Chicago. She's hugely popular can fill a couple of nights at the Civic Opera House. She'll be playing in Union Park. And the R&B superstar R. Kelly, who also is playing Bonnaroo. Kelly is a controversial presence, despite his 2008 acquittal on charges of making child pornography an unlikely booking. That is the New York Dolls with a track called Who Are the Mystery Girls from their second studio album, Too Much Too Soon from 1974, a record produced by one George Francis Morton, otherwise known as Shadow Morton. Great producer from the 60s and 70s, dead at the age of 71. Songwriter, record producer, Grew up in Brooklyn, then Long Island, formed a doo-wop group, went down to the Brill Building, really didn't yeah. have any production talents, songwriting talents, musician talents, just said, I want to be a songwriter. Was talking to Ellie Greenwich, who was a friend of his. You know, at this point, Ellie Greenwich is a very famous Brill Building songwriter. Her partner, Jeff Berry, overhears the conversation, basically says, what do you got, kid? Come back and bring <laughs> us a song. Yeah. So over the next few days, Shadow Morton, concocts this song. He puts together a little group. He knew these girls from the neighborhood called the Shangri-Las, put them in a studio with a band, wrote, produced, arranged a song called Remember Walking in the Sand, brought it back to Greenwich and Barry, and they both said, hey, kid, this is pretty good. You got a future in this business. He ends up producing a bunch of hits for the Shangri-Las, one of the pioneering female groups of that era. What Morton did was not only his ability to sort of compress teenage angst into these three-minute mini-operas, but these elaborate productions with sound effects and these sweet-like arrangements. Really impressive work for a guy with no formal musical training. A lot of people putting him right up there with Phil Spector. Absolutely. He was certainly in that realm. But the problem is he was kind of this character. He got the nickname Shadow because he would kind of appear and then disappear mm. in these social settings without any sort of announcement. They go, where did he go? You know, that, that kind of a deal. He took to wearing a cape in the studio. <laughs> Heavy drinker, but he worked with a lot of groups who made their mark in the 60s. He was both involved with Vanilla Fudge, a heavy metal group at the time, Iron Butterfly with Inagata DeVita. He produced that record as well. 
He was involved with Janice Ian early in her career, Society's Child. That was one of his productions. I mentioned the New York Dolls. He had a heavy involvement in their career as well. But really, the work he is best known for and the work that makes him truly immortal, one of the great producers of that era, is the stuff that he did with the Shangri-Las. Here's that song that put him on the map, Remember, Walking in the Sand from the Shangri-Las, as produced by Shadow Morton on Sound Opinions. Remember Walking in the Sand by the Shangri-Las, produced by Shadow Morton, dead at the age of 71. Professor, what's another word for pirate treasure? Them's my treasure, and I'm a-burying them where no one will know where they're at but me. You're listening to Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott with Jim DeRigatis, and it's time for some buried treasures. Every few months on this show, we like to take a look at some of these records that have slipped through the cracks of the mainstream, tracks that deserve your attention, bands that deserve your attention, but really haven't charted, but worthwhile music nonetheless. You know, I like to think of it as it bringing out the inner 15-year-old in both of us. Yeah. I found this great record, Jim. you got to hear it. Yeah, 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 although you always say, oh, I heard it first. The one you have is not as good as mine. Well, it's competition. I'm going to start first with a group called Indians. Actually, it's a one-man band out of Denmark. This guy who goes by the name of Indians kind of worked backwards in, in that he developed an affinity for electronics and production, 
and then finally taught himself how to play guitar while he was making his debut record for 4AD. So the combination of that folk guitar-based songwriting with these beautiful electronic and orchestrated elements is really what makes this music work for me. The track I want to play is a great illustration of that. It begins in this sort of electronic folk vein, and it's kind of a sad sack kind of thing. You know, you're thinking, okay, is this kind of a Bon Iver knockoff? But I think it really goes somewhere from that initial kind of sad, melancholy beginning. And the beauty of it is the orchestration of the electronics, the way the synthesizer comes in and sort of carries the track away over its last half, I think really makes the song. Patient listening is rewarded with this group. I found that I, when I listened to this record the fifth time, I appreciated it a heck of a lot more than the first time, and it's been expanding in that way for me ever since. It's Indians with a debut record called Somewhere Else and a track called Magic Kids on Sound Opinions. That's Indians with Magic Kids on Sound Opinions, my first buried treasure. Jim, what do you got for us? Well, Greg, I am dying to play this record. I am incredibly excited about it. It is the second proper album from a Los Angeles duo called Foxygen. The album is called We Are the 21st Century Ambassadors of Peace and Magic. Foxygen are two kids 
Jonathan Rado and Sam France, they're only 22 now, but they met in high school, and they've been making music together ever since. They claim to have completed 10 albums, self-recorded at home, on a cassette deck or a digital recorder, much like the Elephant Six psychedelic pop bands. And those bands are a clear influence on this group. This is lush, incredibly deep psychedelic rock, deep in the sense that if you were to play a drinking game naming every musical pilferage in every song, you would be drunk three or four songs into the album. You'd be passed out on the floor. There's T-Rex. Wait a minute. That's a perfect Bob Dylan. Hey, that's Prince singing Love and Spoonful. It's insane. But they are much, much more than the sum of their parts. What they're doing with psychedelic rock is making incredibly complicated music that's instantly familiar but really quite new. And the freshest thing to me is their kindred spirit with a Los Angeles band that is never mentioned in any of the reviews. Everybody's playing Spot That Influence. Nobody ever compares them to Love. What was extraordinary about Love? Arthur Lee and that band could make the most incredibly complicated Baroque psychedelic pop, but he never gave up the ghetto kid perspective of a sneering, sarcastic attitude about the psychedelic transcendent experience. Journey toward the white light. Peace and love, everyone. So Foxygen is not taking any of this super seriously. It's much more akin to early Flaming Lips or Beck in the sense of surrealist sarcasm. When they sing a song like the one I'm going to play, San Francisco, it's a duet with a female friend of theirs. I left my love in San Francisco. That's okay. I was bored in L.A., she sings. It's simultaneously making fun of the notion of San Francisco 67 as the epitome of peace, love, and otherworldliness and giving us a great piece of psychedelic pop that's as great as anything that came out of San Francisco in 67. Here is Foxygen from their second album, We Are the 21st Century Ambassadors of Peace and Music, with San Francisco on Sound Opinions. Oxygen with San Francisco, one of my buried treasures on Sound Opinions. Have you got a comment about the news in this week's show or you want to share a buried treasure of your own? Give us a call at 888-859-1800. Coming up on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX, we've got more buried musical treasures that we'll dig up and share with you. And then we've got a review of the new album by Nick Cave. And we were 
Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis. My partner is Greg Cott, and we're indulging in one of our favorite shows, Buried Treasures, music we want to bring to your attention that you might have missed. Greg, that's an electronic instrumental recording from Klaus Schultz called Shadowlands, a new album from this legendary pioneer of ambient synthesizer music, a German artist who founded Tangerine Dream and Ashra Temple. Really good stuff. But what have you got next for us as a proper buried treasure? Well, Jim, I want to go back to a band that I think you still have their poster up in your bedroom, if I'm not mistaken. Danity Kane. What have you Kane? been in my bedroom? <laughs> Just yesterday, as a matter of fact, that Danity Kane poster was staring me in the face. No, I, I go, have, no, Jim's still a fan, weren't we all? 2005 to 2009, that MTV manufactured all-female R&B group. Remember, P. Diddy was behind it. <laughs> Whatever you think of Danity Kane, Don Richard, one of the members of that group, has actually been making some very interesting music the last few years. She put out a couple of EPs last year, working with a producer-songwriter named Drewski. And you mentioned this wave of electronic music. A lot of that is sort of threading through this, mixed with contemporary R&B and other rock and soul influences. I think she's part of this wave of leftward-leaning R&B that we've been hearing the last few years from quirky artists like Miguel and Frank Ocean, The Weeknd. We just reviewed that Solange record a few weeks ago. Mm. I think it's in that same kind of pocket. This is a super ambitious debut album. It's called Golden Heart. And it, if you want to get deeply into it, there's a sort of a Dungeons and Dragons kind of narrative going through this. She's casting herself as this embattled queen who's facing the beast with both hands, and she's seeking her father to ask him for favor to take down this monster. This story is going through the entire record. But meanwhile, the music, extremely inventive, weaving its way through this almost mini opera that she's created here. The melodies are being stretched out in a way that you do not hear in a lot of contemporary R&B that's sort of tailored more for the radio. This is clearly more 
for the headphones, for insular, introspective listening, the type of record that's meant to be listened to as an entire album, as a piece. And she's working with a single producer. Drewski and her are basically doing this entire record on their own. I think that speaks to the level of artistic ambition that's going on here. The track I'm going to play is called Glow. It's from Don Richards' solo debut, Golden Heart, on Sound Opinions. When you know the stars all start to shine Glow from Don Richard and the new album Golden Heart, one of my buried treasures. Jim, what have you got for us next? Greg, I've got another great piece of psychedelic pop here, but it's uh, in a more traditional vein. You know, people ask us sometimes, how do these buried treasures come to your attention? To me, it's uh, partly like when I was a beat reporter. You always have the radar on, the antenna up. You know, when two or three people mention a band as something that you should check into, it really pings the radar and you dive in. For whatever reason, a bunch of Texans lately have been telling me about this Dallas band, Spookeasy. And they're doing psychedelic pop that's in a kind of more traditional straight-faced vein than Foxygen. They're kind of combining those great 60s sounds with the shoegazer approach of the early 90s. They have one album out called Faux Show. It was produced by Eric Harvey of Spoon. They're working on a new album now, again, with Harvey. There's a little bit of Spoon in there, you know, the psychedelic side, the droning side of Spoon. But what I like here is, you know, as great as that Tame Impala album was last year, one of my albums of the year, what I like is this kind of male-female 
combining of vocals. We don't get enough of that co-ed approach in psychedelic rock. And Stephanie Burns, the keyboardist and vocalist, does a wonderful job trading vocals with Logan Kelson, the guitarist and vocalist. I think it's the main charm of this album, along with a great overall sound and some fine songs. The song I'm going to play is Bo Deadly, as opposed to Bo Diddly, by Spook Easy on Sound Opinions. by Spookeasy, a young band from Dallas. Greg, have you got another buried treasure for us? Yes, I do, Jim. I want to go to South America for this next one and pick up with a band that I think you are really going to love. It's speaking your language, my man, because we're talking about Chilean acid rock from the early 70s. Yes. Heavily influenced by Hawkwind out of the UK, the German art rock bands like Noi and Can. That influence was pervasive in this scene in Chile in the early 70s. When Pinochet came along in 1973, that military dictatorship took over the country and really pushed a lot of this music scene deep underground or made it go away completely. It was decades before that scene came back, and now you're seeing it come back with a vengeance. A lot of these bands are picking up right where their predecessors in 1973 left off. And the band Folixoid is among the best of the bunch. Uh, they played a number of festivals over the last couple of years. They've got two albums out. The latest, inventively titled Two, is terrific. And it builds on all those innovations. Uh, the reverb, heavy, the drone, the dissonance, but also that drive, that motorique, krautrock, German art rock sound, where you feel like you could go on forever. That beat is just relentless until it pushes you right off the edge. It's Folixoid with a track called Nine on Sound Opinions. I've got 
That was Folixoid with the song Nine on Sound Opinions. Greg, turning me on to some Chilean psychedelic rock. I'm going to return the favor here, Greg, and give you a gem that I think you will enjoy. Big Dipper is a band that had its moment in the sun in the mid-'80s. It was never as bright a sun as many other 80s indie rock heroes, your Dinosaur Juniors, your Pixies, your Yola Tangos. But I remember that band fondly, and I had a chance to reassess them a few years ago when Merge Records, who love this group, put out a three-CD, 49-track best of of this band that few people besides you and me even remember. In 1994, I was reviewing an album that had a you know very striking blue cover, four guys sit against a blue background, and I said how it ripped off the Feelys' crazy rhythms, but the band that this really seemed to be inspired by was Big Dipper. It was the debut album by Weezer. I think a lot of what Weezer did with verbal wordplay, with pilfering pop history and rewriting it in a very fresh and exciting and absolutely current form Big Dipper had done, especially on its first two albums. Now Big Dipper is back. Many years, 22 years after they broke up, they are back and they've given us a new album called Big Dipper Crashes on the Platinum Planet. And let me tell you, they haven't lost a step. Musician Gary Wallach and musician and singer Bill Godfrey are, are as good as they ever were. Think of lyrics that are like Thomas Pynchon writing for The Onion. Um, the song I'm going to play is called Robert Pollard. This is the gift to you. <laughs> it is in part a tribute to Robert Pollard, the songwriter for Guided by Voices, pondering how he is able to so effortlessly turn out so many memorable melodies. At the same time, it's making fun of the band itself. Gary Wallach, you've written a song, but you hate the lyrics. The chords are all wrong. They're goofing on themselves. And then in the middle, they decide to take a little break and do some rock criticism and talk about how Paul McCartney has let them down for like the last 30 years and what happened to him and why is Pollard better and how come Gary can't finish the song that he is writing and Bill is singing. You've got to love a band that operates on so many levels. But ultimately, at the end of the day, we wouldn't care how clever it was if the songs didn't kick, and they do. Here is Robert Pollard by Big Dipper from its new album on Sound Opinions. Robert Pollard, the music is there. You can sleep all day or hide anywhere. But the big
I love it, Jim. Big Dipper, Robert Pollard on Sound Opinions, one of your buried treasures. And you listeners can share your own buried treasures on the air by giving us a call at 888-859-1800. You can also email us at interact at soundopinions.org or talk to us at facebook.com slash soundopinions and twitter.com slash soundopinions. We'll be back with our final Undiscovered Gems and a review of the new album by a Sound Opinions favorite, Nick Cave. That's in a minute on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX. back to Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis. My partner is Greg Cott, and we are having a tremendous amount of fun sharing some buried treasures with you. Greg, I have one left. I evoked the name of Parquet Courts earlier in the show. I love that record that they put out. We reviewed it a few weeks ago. Here's a record that's in a similar vein from a similar place. We are talking about more New York, Brooklyn hipsters. The band is called Low Cut Connie. But these guys are a little more rootsy. They share the same sort of wise guy, forget about it attitude, okay? They have a song on this record. As a kid who grew up in Hudson County, how can I not love a band that sings scoliosis in Secaucus? All right. I know Secaucus, right? I mean, this this is the kind of silliness. They're making fun of having been Catholic school survivors. They've got a song called Boozophilia. These guys are replacements like slackers. But I think the band they evoke musically more even than the replacements is the New York Dolls. For such an influential band in rock history, we played them earlier, talking about Shadow Morton's production. Very few bands ever sound like the New York Dolls, either in terms of those David Johansson gruff vocals or the ability to somehow take music like the Shangri-Las and Stax Volt and turn it into punk. That is what Low Cut Connie is doing on Call Me Sylvia. I said earlier, people ask us all the time, how do you come up with buried treasures? Occasionally, and we, we get a lot of these emails. I read you all the time. I know you will love my album. All right. How often is that true for you that you actually love their album? Maybe one out of 100. You know, I got an email from Loka Kind of say, I read you. You're going to love my album. And, and, you know, I resisted listening for months. And then I finally listened and I love their album. Here is a song that's called Say Yes by Low Cut Connie on Sound Opinions. I want to see you in your cotton dress. I want to see you say yes, 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 yes. yes. 
Yes, by New York Wise Guys, Low Cut Connie. Greg, what is your final buried treasure? I'm going to go to Cleveland for my final buried treasure, Jim, a group called Gap Dream. It's really one guy. Gabriel Fulvamar is his name. And he's actually been around for at least a decade. He actually gets credited on the very first Black Keys record hmm. a long time ago, early 2000s, right? And he's been making music ever since in various uh, incarnations. This one-man group that he's put together, Gap Dream, which is actually now touring in, in the incarnation of a full band, is his best work so far. You mentioned Robert Pollard earlier in the show, and I think Fulvamar is, is a disciple of Pollard. He can take various strands of influences throughout rock history. He's very Catholic in his taste, ranging all the way back into the 60s, up through the modern era where you can hear some influences by, you know, from Sonic Youth, let's say, but going all the way back to, say, T-Rex and, and bringing these influences together on his lo-fi but very inventive, very melodic songs. Put out a full-length debut album last year. He's been releasing singles over the last six, seven months since then. Each one of them has something to recommend it. I'm going to play one of the latest ones from Gap Dream. It's called Generator, and you can hear a little bit of that lo-fi T-Rex influence that I was talking about. Slow, kind of groovy jam, a touch of hazed-out psychedelia. If you think that's a great, there's about a dozen other songs that sound nothing like it on his recent output. The guy is all over the map. Every one of the songs, though, seems to work. Gap Dream, Generator on Sound Opinions.
That's Gap Dream with Generator and my final buried treasure. You can see our complete lists at soundopinions.org. listening to Sound Opinions, and that is a song called Finishing Jubilee Street by Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds from album number 15 from this big ensemble, Push the Sky Away. Nick Cave is a renaissance man, Greg. There's no two ways about it. He's been a novelist. He has been a poet. He has been a playwright. He is certainly a character. Lately, he's been busy doing film soundtrack work with another member of the Bad Seeds, Warren Ellis, but he is first and foremost always a rocker. Emerging in his native Australia in the late 70s with the birthday party, he seemed to be Iggy Pop Redux. When the Bad Seeds formed in 1984, There was a little bit more literary pretension, calmness to the proceedings. A big band, lots of talent, people coming and going through the years. This new 15th studio album is the first he's making without founding member Mick Harvey. If you've followed this band for the last three decades, you're going to wonder, what's he coming up with now that Mick is gone? Mick's been by his side throughout. There's some electronic sounds on this record. We're going to play a song. We'll come back and give our opinions about the record in a second. This is a tune called Higgs Boson Blues by Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds on Sound Opinions. Can't remember anything at all. Flame trees line the street. remember anything at all But I'm driving my car down to Geneva I've been sitting in my basement patio It was hot Up above Higgs Boson Blues from Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. The new album is called Push the Sky Away. 
Jim, where else are you going to get songs about the God particle, the genesis of the earth, references to Hannah Montana and Robert Johnson, yeah. except in a Nick Cave song? This, this is true. sprawling narrative. It is one of the central tracks on the new album. And a departure for Nick Cave. The last time we saw Cave collaborating with the Bad Seeds, they were in wrecking ball mode on Dig Lazarus Dig. Plus, around there, a couple of uh, Grinderman side projects for Cave, in which he was really kicking out the jams. Very punky, nasty stuff. This is a much more introspective record. Sparse keyboards, murmured voices, very sparse production. Cave very much in that poetic, late-night narrative mode on this particular record. He's described the key to the record, for him at least, were these electronic loops that his sidekick Warren Ellis came up with. He calls them the tiny, trembling heartbeat of this record. And initially, when I started listening to this record, I was thinking, oh, it's more in in the ballad vein of some of his quieter material. But it's really even different from that. It's these anxiety-written mood pieces that really don't sound like anything he's done quite before. And those Ellis electronic loops really assume a dominant position once I got through the record four, five, six times. It's a beautiful but disturbing record. I don't think he's ever quite combined the sounds the way he does on this record. Has Nick Cave ever made a bad record? That, that is the question I now ask you, Mr. DeRigatis. <laughs> I don't think he has. This is a buy-it record for me. Nick Cave has perhaps never made a beginning-to-end bad record, but he has certainly made some records that are much, 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 much better than other Nick Cave records. I would say Dig, Lazarus Dig, the last Bad Seas album. It was a masterpiece. It was one of my albums of the year that year. The two Grinder Men records I love. I'm disappointed by this record, Greg. And I did give it a dozen listens because it is Nick Cave, and he has earned that from anybody who's followed his career. I think the problem is a monotony. It is an entirely quiet album. I think that having this punk quartet of Grinderman, he's getting all his aggression out there, and this is the quiet album. Okay, that's a simplification. I agree with everything you said about the electronic loops and, and the lyrics, but I wish there had been a couple of more explosive moments as every Bad Seeds record has had peaks and valleys. This one uh, is boring, and I've never said Nick Cave hmm. is boring. You know, unless I'm indulging in really laughing at his brilliant turns of phrase and, and Higgs Boson Blues is, is the paradigm of that. Every album for the last six or eight, I think, has had this one epic track where he out-Dylan's Dylan and, and, and you know, simultaneously is, is way funnier even. I'm just let down. This is a, a Burn It record. If you enjoy Nick Cave, you have to hear it, but it's not a buy it for me as it was for you. Greg, what do we have on the show next week? Next week, Jim, we're going to start the Sound Opinions World Tour by looking into the music of Sweden. As always, we have some thank yous to say on the way out. Sound Opinions is produced by Jason Saldana, Robin Lynn, and Annie Minoff. Griffin Waterman is our intern and our fearless leader. Our executive producer, Tori Southside Malatia, keeps trying to see if he can find Lady Gaga in her wheelchair. Sound opinions, everyone's a critic. So now it's time to hear what you have to say. New messages. Hey, Sound Opinions. This is Missy from Madison, Wisconsin. And I just finished listening to your I Want You Back Valentine's Day playlist and had to chime in with my own. I would play 
Bring It On Home To Me by Sam Cooke. If you ever change your mind about leaving, leaving me behind, bring it to me. cool thing about that song is that it's a call out to the girl asking the girl to bring it on home to Sam Cooke and then Carla Thomas does a song called I'll Bring It On Home To You which is the response to that song where she's saying yes I will bring it I will bring my love back to you Sam so please check that song out both of those are my songs thanks darling you made me Jim. Hi, Greg. This is Nick from Chicago. I am calling about the Valentine's Day episode where Jim referenced the Rod Stewart song, You're in My Heart, The Final Acclaim. And then he goes on. He loves this subject of his affection so much that he compares her to his favorite soccer team. You're Celtic United. And I was like, oh, He was man. actually referring to his two favorite football clubs, the Scottish soccer team Celtic Football Club and the English soccer team Manchester United. Rod Stewart loved Celtic Football Club so much that he cried on international TV when Celtic beat the Spanish soccer giants Barcelona FC last fall in the European Champions League. You're Celtic United but David, I've decided you're the best team I've ever seen. Keep up the good work, guys. Hello, this is Willie Camaro. I was just listening to the interview with Jimmy Cliff. I remember the first time I heard reggae on real speakers. Um, I had heard maybe Buffalo Soldier and Stir It Up and maybe a couple of the Marley tunes just on the TV or, or small speakers on the radio. But when I heard a big, booming, beautiful, melodic bass lines of Aston Barrett and Robbie Shakespeare and, and Clinton Theron, I was just hypnotized. I became a bass player playing reggae, and I have never felt so fulfilled as when I'm playing a really solid, nice bass line. Thank you so much for putting it on. Hi, my name is Gaze Tokes. I'm calling from California, Los Angeles, and the question was, how did reggae music enter into your life? When I was in second grade, I played peewee basketball, and our basketball coach was a Rastafarian. And he used to play Jimmy Cliff, Peter Tosh, Burden Spear while we warmed up for basketball. Caught the fever in second grade and carried it, probably will carry it the rest of my life. Peace. 
No more messages. To share your opinions on Sound Opinions, call 888-859-1800. We'll be back next week on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX.